Welcome to Slaking Thirsts, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. I love this first reading that we have for the Feast of St. Luke. I love just how just gritty and real it is. I love that Paul's saying, hey, I forgot a cloak. Can you remember that when you come and visit me? And there's some parchment rolls, some papyrus especially. I've forgotten Troas. When you, when you come, bring that with you. And that Alexander guy, that coppersmith, he's going to get it because he was mean to me. I just love that so much. I love that that's sacred scripture. I love that this is the inspired word of God. Maybe it's just me this morning. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. All right, we'll talk about St. Luke. We'll talk about St. Luke. All right, here's what I was thinking about when I was praying through this feast day today of St. Luke the Evangelist. Um, I, I can't get out of my mind, of course, the, the impending November ballot. Uh, and I just keep thinking about um, ways that we as disciples can wage spiritual warfare on this encroaching evil and this encroaching darkness. And I kept thinking about Luke, especially as, the, as an evangelist, Luke for his intercession uh, to call upon him for his intercession in this fight for a few reasons. Here's why. The first reason is this. Luke's gospel, it highlights the tender mercy and the compassion of God. Luke highlights Jesus. He emphasizes Jesus' ministry to the poor, to the downtrodden, to the outcast. These are just in particular Lucan motifs that come to the fore. I mean, think about in Luke, you get the parable of the Good Samaritan. You get the parable of the prodigal son in Luke 15. The story of the rich man and Lazarus. You get the publican and the sinner, right? Beating his chest. Have mercy on me, a sinner. Like these are all Lucan, um, distinctly Lucan scenes, right? So the, the message of mercy has to be also at the heart of the message of the gospel of life. Like, as we proclaim the gospel of life, we have to hold hand-in-hand hand the message of mercy because there are so many who in the, the culture has beaten up and left for dead on the side of the road, right? Think of the Good Samaritan, who desperately need their wounds attended to, especially the wound of abortion, right? I just think about in our own diocese, one of the most powerful ministries that we have in our own diocese for, the, for ministry to women who have had abortions is Bethesda, the house of mercy, such a powerful ministry. There are many, many prodigal sons and daughters who have wandered so far from home and they're so convinced that they can't return because of what they've done, especially in the issues of, in the areas of sexuality, in the areas of abortion, all of these things. There are many people who are just like Lazarus, who are spiritually dead and buried and hopeless who need to be called back to life and need to be unbound, right? That's the message of life at the heart of the gospel of life, the message of mercy. There are many people who just, who need to call out to God humbly and just like that publican cry out or like the sinner, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner, right? Second thing I was thinking about with Luke's gospel is that Luke's gospel is known as the gospel of women. Yeah, there's women in all the other three Gospels, but Luke in particular, there's so many um, 
beautiful encounters that Jesus has with women throughout this gospel. Think of Jesus raising the widow's son in the city of Nain. His heart moved with compassion for this widow. Or the the woman who bathes Jesus' feet with tears in the house of Simon the Pharisee. Or the the women who accompany Jesus in his ministry. We hear about them more in Luke's gospel than any of the others. We hear about Martha and Mary, his friends from Bethany. We hear about the healing of the crippled woman on the Sabbath. We hear about the daughters of Jerusalem who weep with Jesus in his passion, all in Luke's gospel. So through the eyes of Luke, we get to see that Jesus' heart, in particular for women, was just so big. Like he loved the women who surrounded him. It's also Luke, right, the physician, who tells us about the beauty and the mystery surrounding Jesus' conception and the virgin birth and the visitation, right, the first pro-life rally in the hills of Judah, right? Ein Karim, where Mary travels in haste to visit Elizabeth, who's six months pregnant with John the Baptist. The unborn John leaping for joy in the presence of the unborn Christ. All right there, this spotlight on the womb that you get in Luke's gospel. And finally this, that tradition has it that Luke, the evangelist and the physician, was also an artist, that Luke was the first iconographer, the first to depict, um, the first to write an icon. And what was the icon that, according to tradition, that Luke wrote, that he painted? Was it a picture of Jesus the Good Shepherd? It's a good guess, but no. Was it Jesus the Teacher? No. Was it a self-portrait? No. The image that Luke portrays was the Theotokos, Mary the God-bearer, Mary with her infant, right? The first icon written was a mother and a child. And is that not what, is that not what's at stake, right? Is that not what we're fighting for? Like there's this demonic spell that's fallen upon the mind and heart of the modern world, especially modern women, through a very evil idea that has gone by many names, but right now it's masquerading as the name of feminism, right? Which says that the full flourishing of women, the liberation of women, the exaltation of women will come about when we can finally, when women can finally rid themselves, be free from, unshackled by the burdens of motherhood. If you can just draw an X on the infant in the icon, that's when they think the woman will finally flourish. And that's a lie from the pit of hell. This is John Paul II in his letter to women, Mulieris Dignitatum. He wrote this, The moral and spiritual strength of a woman is joined to her awareness that God entrusts the human being to her in a special way. Of course, God entrusts every human being to each and every other human being. But this entrusting concerns women in a special way, precisely by reason of their femininity. And this, in a particular way, determines their vocation. The spiritual, the moral and spiritual strength of a woman, he said, it's joined to her awareness that God entrusts humanity to you, woman.
woman. So friends, let us call upon the intercession of St. Luke, the evangelist, as we continue to pray, like we've been praying, that the culture of life would triumph over the culture of death and this demonic spell would be broken. Amen.